Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. So glad that you joined us as uh, usual to our spot here in the studios of Faith Baptist Church. I am uh, looking at a postcard from Herb and Shirley Jones, dear friends and folks that I have known for a very long time. Uh, went to high school, actually, with their daughter, and they have been faithful listeners from Pensacola, Florida, and they sent a postcard depicting the campus at Pensacola Christian College, one of my favorite places. And so thank you, uh, Joneses, for your faithfulness to the Lord all these years, your example to me, and your listenership for uh, Everyday Truth. We're in Jeremiah chapter 30 today, and I want you to look at verse number one. The Bible says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write thee all the words that I have spoken unto thee in a book. For lo, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will bring again the captivity of my people Israel and Judah, saith the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall possess it. I love these chapters that we're going to explore over the next few episodes, chapters 30 through chapter 33, because they're they're filled with hope, hope about the future for Israel. And in many ways, it's still future for Israel. We're going to see that even over the next couple of episodes. But so important is the information that God gives Jeremiah here. And so Important is is it especially to the people of God that he said, Jeremiah, I want you to write this in a book. Now, obviously, that's why we're reading it today, because it was inscripturated. It was put down into a book and then copied and preserved until finally you and me here at Everyday Truth are looking at the Word of God and hearing it. Why? Because God preserved his word. I love the fact that God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to do more than just preach it, more than just verbalize it, but I want you to write it down in a book. There's something about the written word of God that has great portability. Think about it. A book can go to places that your voice and your body cannot go. And so the fact that God told Jeremiah to put this message in a book really speaks to the fact that God wanted his word to be published throughout the world, beyond Jeremiah's locale. It's interesting that even Daniel refers to the prophecies of Jeremiah that he got copies of, that he was able to peruse and to meditate upon and to read. Another thing that a book does is it gives the word of God a a, a much greater opportunity to be understood. Why? Because when you have something in writing, you can read it, you can reread it, you can study it, you can consider its words, 
If I just hear somebody's message one time and there's no recording of it, it's much more difficult for that message to find any depth in my heart. But a book, wow, that's a much different story. So a book can go to places that we cannot go. By the way, the, the a book can also transcend time. So Jeremiah lived for just that generation. And unless you lived in that generation at that place, you would never have heard Jeremiah's voice. You had to be where he was and when he was. But a book doesn't have to be where you are. It goes to other places and a book can go to other times. So we're reading a book in the Bible that was written by X number of authors over thousands of years, and yet we're reading it. Why? Because a book has that portability and God has preserved it. I think about even some of the great secular classics. We read books like The Scarlet Letter or, or A Tale of Two Cities. We read books that were written by people that no longer live, but they live on in their words. So there's something to be said about the preservation of God's word in a book. It goes to places and goes to times that that words and people cannot. And what was it that was so important about this particular book that God said to Jeremiah, I want this particular message to be written down? I think what was important was God was predicting the return of the ultimate return of his people to the land. That this even goes beyond just the Babylonian captivity and the return thereafter. But this goes to the restoration of his people. Notice what it says in verse number three, of my people Israel and Judah. So Israel was the northern kingdom already obliterated a hundred years, 130, 40 years before this. And yet God was saying, I will regather my people. And that's been a theme. Even physically speaking, we see today the nation of Israel since 1948 in part has been regathered to that place. But is that the total fulfillment of God's promise? Did God promise just that they would return to a place No, as we shall read throughout the passage, God said they're not only going to return to a place, but they're going to return to a worship, a solidarity, a belief in me. Now, is Israel believing in God, Jehovah God today, in the sense of his Messiah, Jesus, and the truth of God's word? No, she's not. In fact, Israel today is very secular. And although there's a small Orthodox branch in Israel today, they certainly are not proponents of the the Messiah, Jesus, but that day is going to come. There's been a regathering to the nation, and one day there's going to be a regathering of their heart, and it's all happening. It's unfolding right in front of us. Look at verse number four, where it says, and these are the words that the Lord spake concerning Israel and concerning Judah. So what what are some more details regarding the return of God's people to the land, uh, the replanting of them there? Look at verse five. For thus saith the Lord, we have heard a voice of trembling, of fear and not of peace. So what? where was Jeremiah when he wrote this book? Where was Jeremiah when he preached this message? He was in Jerusalem and the context is the the final siege of Jerusalem 
by the Babylonians, which was a siege that lasted a year and a half, 587 to 586 BC. And we're going to see in this chapter that God said, don't bother praying for me to deliver you. That's we're beyond that. Don't bother praying that your wound will be cured. It won't be cured. This is something that must take place. Now, you won't be destroyed ultimately, but there's coming a stiff punishment now. So what's happening? Jeremiah is predicting not only the final part of the judgment of God upon his people in the Babylonian captivity, but he's also predicting the incredible restoration that is going to be more than just Zerubbabel and 42,000, more than just Ezra and the rebuilding of the people or Nehemiah and the rebuilding of a wall. No, he's talking about ultimate fulfillment, ultimate regathering, the day when God will once again put his representative, Messiah, upon the throne of David and Jerusalem will once again be in her grandeur, much beyond what she's ever experienced. That's what we're aiming at here. Look at verse number six. As ask ye now and see whether a man doth travail with child. I, I hate to smile, but that, that verse makes me smile in light of some of the woke, some of the wokeism of our generation, where people say the most unscientific and ridiculous things like, well, men can get pregnant. No, they can't. And there are two genders, two biological sexes, male and female. And so the incredulous question of verse number six is, uh, ask and see whether a man doth travail with child. In other words, that is a ridiculous notion. And yet the Bible says in verse six, wherefore do I see every man with his hands on his loins as a woman in travail and all faces are turned into paleness. So the illustration is this, the siege of Jerusalem will be so bad that men will experience the kind of pain, the kind of sudden pain that a woman experiences in childbearing when her face goes pale and the pains of her stomach are just so profound. And it's going to be like that where there's nothing you can do but wait for it to happen. That's a woman in childbearing. There's nothing she can do but wait for that child to be born. And the point here is that when Babylon comes in this final siege, there's nothing you're going to do to, to avoid it happening. It's going to happen. Like a baby comes and the pain that goes along with it, so this will happen. Verse number seven, alas. The word alas as an as a interjection in the Bible is a word of, of utter despair. Alas, there's nothing I can do. Alas, for that day, what? The day of judgment is great. Great in the sense of, of awesome, in the sense of not, not great as in good, but great as in overwhelming. That day is great so that none is like it. Watch this. It is even the time of Jacob's trouble. Now, that's a very specific eschatological term. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, for he shall be saved out of it. So just as God preserved the nation in spite of the calamity of the Babylonian invasion and then captivity, 
So God ultimately preserves Israel in the time of Jacob's trouble, which refers to the the great tribulation period yet to come. Matthew chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse, Revelation chapter 6, chapter 16, God makes it clear that Israel will be regathered as a nation, but that regathering won't necessarily immediately mean that she believes that Jesus is Messiah. In fact, she will reject him. And there'll be a time of peace that the Antichrist will broker, but eventually Antichrist will turn his back on God's people, break his covenant with Israel, offer the abomination of desolations upon the altar at the third temple, and honestly, all of Antichrist's power and hatred, the satanic the, the satanic motivations will be geared against God's people. And yet out of that time of trouble, that time of Jacob's trouble, God will still preserve his people. And ultimately, they will recognize the one whom they have pierced. They will recognize Messiah and then receive him. And then Jesus will rule and reign in Jerusalem for a thousand years. I know that that's a a whole little, that's a little bit of information about a whole lot of eschatology, but that's the point here, that Jeremiah, in writing down this prophecy, is not only talking about a an immediate fulfillment of coming back after Babylonian captivity, but he's speaking about the ultimate fulfillment of God's promise to his people, to Israel, to Judah, how that he promised them that they will have a Messiah and they will rule and reign and the nations of the world will be punished for the way that they have dealt with Israel. All of that is still coming and indeed is now in place. Look at verse number nine of our, verse number eight. For it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from off thy neck, uh, the yoke of the enemy. Remember that Hanani broke that yoke off of the neck of Jeremiah to say, Jeremiah, the the Babylonians won't control us. In two years, it's all going to be good. But Hananiah was a liar. But God is saying, ultimately, the yoke, the servitude around the neck of God's people will be broken. Verse number eight, and will burst, and he will burst thy bonds, and strangers shall no more serve themselves of him. There's coming a day, said the Lord, when ultimate freedom will be granted to God's people, and they will have their own autonomy. And the nations that have persecuted them, to which they've been scattered, will receive just punishment for the way that they have ill-treated God's people that day is coming. Don't stand against Israel. Remember the Abrahamic promise that God would bless those that bless Israel and curse them that curse Israel. And we're finding some of that fulfillment right here in Jeremiah chapter 30. We're going to quit there in verse number eight. We'll come back to verse number nine next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.